same hands that suffer and Praise the Lord. Boy, I'll tell you what, aren't you glad that he loved you, loved you enough to go to Calvary and die on that old rugged cross, amen? Boy, I'll tell you what, shed his precious, perfect blood, his sinless blood, be buried and rise again the third day, amen? Wow, he did that all because he loves you. And the fact is, is that we love him because he first loved us. 
I'll tell you what, he doesn't ask us for anything he hasn't already given, amen? Well, anyway, I'm glad about that. And I'll tell you what, that's what really our whole missions conference is about. I mean, we are all blessed, if you know Christ as your Savior, to already have him as Lord and to have experienced his great love and outpouring of mercy and grace. Boy, the world uh, at least deserves an opportunity to hear, amen? Uh, They can make their choice as you made your choice. But boy, they need the opportunity. They ought to have an opportunity. And God wants us to give them that opportunity. Well, we see our theme is the light of the world. And I don't know that any preacher this week's preached on the light of the world. And uh, so I thought, well, I probably ought to. Somebody ought to touch on the theme, I thought. And so I decided just to go ahead. I was kind of working on something else, and I'll probably preach it next week. And um, well, maybe, maybe not. But it's kind of ready to go almost. Just a few minor touches. But I got to just kind of praying about it and thinking, I thought, light of the world. Boy, that's a simple theme. There's nothing tough about that, right? I mean, we could get into that. I mean, that makes perfect sense to me. Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And I thought, that's a great message, amen? And uh, boy, that fits perfect, again, with our week here of missions. And I thought, well, we'll just drive it home today with that theme and that thought today, the light of the world. So take your Bible and look over at 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 today. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. Now, I had uh, a, a, a blowout this past week. You're thinking, oh, your front tire went out. No, no, I had a voice blowout. I think on Thursday, I was sitting at home. I was doing fine, talking to my wife. She ran up to the, uh, uh, she ran up to the uh, bank, and about 20 minutes later, she got home. I'd been doing some reading. And uh, I, I was looking at, then I kind of switched to an article, and I was looking at an article that kind of disturbed me, and as she walked in the door, I tried to talk to her and tell her about it, and I realized I, I couldn't get a full sentence out. Within 20 minutes, it seemed my whole voice got shot, and I couldn't talk. And so then I came in that night, of course, I didn't stay home from church. I still came. You say, well, you're the preacher, you have to. No, I still came. I mean, I just couldn't talk to a lot of people. I'm like... The best I could. I was kind of waving and doing some sign language. I'm really good at that when my voice goes out. And then come, come Friday, it was a little bit better, but I was trying to hold out. And then come Saturday, I was doing a lot better than I was, but I was afraid to let her fly. I was out door knocking on Saturday, and my voice about went about halfway through the route. And I thought, oh, no. Well, then this morning, I woke up and was trying to take it easy. So I'm waiting. I'm just waiting to see if the gears get stripped here in a moment. So you pray for me, all right? Because I'm trying to keep her down, but I don't think that's going to happen. So let's see what happens today, and you just pray for my voice, and I'll pray that you hear it well. Amen? We want God to do a work in our lives today as we finalize and finish up our missions conference. First of all, 1 John 1, verse 5. The Bible simply says, This then is the message which we have heard of him. And declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. But what a contrast. You know, we could take the time to, and we might hear a little bit later in the service, but we could contrast light from darkness. What a difference there is between the darkness and the light. And the Bible tells us here that God is light. It's not that He is just a manifestation. He is light, the Bible says. Well, I'll tell you what, every time you see light, every time you enter a room and it's lit up, you ought to think about God because God is light. 
Every time you step out of your house and the sun is shining, you ought to think about God because light and God are the same. Well, I'll tell you, what a wonderful reminder that we serve a God, a creator God that made all things. The Bible says, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. It's interesting, though, as we read through the Bible, look over in the book of Revelation now, chapter 21, verse 23. Not only do we see that God is light, but we notice something about Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God. And we're going to note that one day there's going to be a place called New Jerusalem. You know that if you know Christ is your Savior, then you are in the body of Christ. And the truth is, you're going to live and dwell and be in a place called New Jerusalem. Well, guess what? The interesting thing about New Jerusalem is that they don't have LEDs. New Jerusalem doesn't have any kind of lighting system. They don't need any electricity to provide light for the place. Notice what the Bible says in Revelation 21, verse 23. It says, and the city had no need of the sun. Not even the need of the sun. Neither of the moon. We know that the moon reflects the light of the sun. It says, neither, and the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Well, we can argue, we can discuss it all day long, the fact that, the, that, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are triune, and that they are one. And someone says, well, oh, that's a difficult thing, because when Jesus was on earth, he was praying to the Father. But the Bible is very clear and very, very distinct in stating that these three are one, that Jesus Christ is God. He was Emmanuel, God with us, the Bible says. And this Jesus will be in that place called New Jerusalem. And may I say that there is no need of light there, because he is the light. That'll be a wonderful place. You say, well, when will we sleep? I'm going to have a new body. I'm going to be pretty busy in that new body, amen? I, don't, I hope I don't even have to sleep. I don't think I will. You say, well, I love sleep, and I think I'll still do it. Well, maybe God will let you. I don't know. Maybe that'll be your job to sleep. I, I don't know. So God is light. And then we see that Jesus Christ in that new Jerusalem, that celestial city, The Lamb of God will be the light of it. Now, while Jesus was on earth, interestingly enough, the Bible says, or he states himself, that he was the light of the world. Look in John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8, verse Notice it says there in the book of John, chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus, of course, speaking. Again, his ministry on earth was really very short-lived. We know that he lived about 33 years, uh, maybe a little bit more, and he really ministered, or his ministry lasted really about three years in duration. I mean, uh, of course, he lived on the earth. Of course, he was born of a virgin, we know. Uh, He did not have a human father. He had a heavenly father. We understand that he lived a perfect, sinless life. We know that by trade, he was a carpenter, just as his daddy was. His earthly daddy, that is. (coughs) But Jesus Christ, in his 
ministry makes the statement and the claim that he is the light of the world. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I'm the light of the world, he said. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. In John chapter 9, verse 5, he says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And someone says, wow, that's interesting. So now there's no light in the world, right? Because Jesus is no longer in the world. Well, interestingly enough, we learn that as a believer, you and I today, we are the light of the world now. You say, how's that happen? Well, remember when Jesus left, he promised another comforter. The comforter would be the Holy Ghost, but really it's Christ in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Literally, Christ lives in me. And literally, Christ lives in you if you've received and accepted him as your Savior and Lord. The God, the creator of all the universe, lives inside you in the person of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, the light of God, he, his light shines in you. And if you'll let it out, others will see it. You and I are the light of the world now. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, making intercession on behalf of each and every one of us that know him and have received him. And he's left us here to be that light now. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. There in Matthew chapter 5 we read, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And he giveth light unto all that are in the house. <clears throat> he goes on to teach them and tell them, Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. He says, boy, I tell you what, you're now the light. I've left you here. I've not saved you to sit and to soil. I've saved you to serve. I've saved you to be a light in a world of darkness. A light where Satan is seeking to blind the minds of them that believe not. You are the light now. You as a believer, you as a believer, you as a believer, myself, we are the light now of the world. Not in and of ourselves, not in this flesh, not in my own intellect, not in my own strength, not in my own power. No, but in the person of Christ living in me as I allow myself and avail myself to his person. As I give him leadership and yield uh, authority uh, to him in my life, he can shine through me. I want you to consider the definition of light, though. There's a couple definitions, really, of the word light. And I want to look at three of them. First of all, the definition, the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. We could say illuminates. The second one would be to make something start burning, to ignite. And then I even, another one that's kind of interesting is the opposite of heavy, light. 
okay? Right? So what does that mean then? We look at that definition, we consider those definitions, and it says that God is the light of the world. I think we can make an application here. I mean, what does it mean? How can he, and uh, should, should I say, what can he and um, what can he do and what will he do then for us in that sense? What will he do for you? Well, first of all, it's Jesus who will light your way then. Because as a definition, he being light and, and, and light is a natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible, then I want you to know that it's Jesus who will light your way then. You know, the Bible says over in the book of Psalm, chapter 119, verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And someone says, well, that has nothing to do with God as the light. Well, it does when you consider that over in the book of John, chapter 1, the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he says in verse 14, "And, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father. Hey, it's talking about Jesus Christ. Remember, he's the light of the world. While he was here, he's the light. May I say that Jesus and the word of God are synonymous. You can't separate this particular book, this Bible, this this eternal book from Jesus himself. And you want to know something? Jesus is the light. And so is the word of God then. The word of God is a means by which God uses to lighten our path, to guide us, to direct us, to lead us. It is Jesus who will light your way. He's the light of the world. God is. And they're all synonymous. They're one. I'm telling you that that we need direction in our life. We need leadership in our life. And the Lord Jesus Christ will give us that leadership, that direction. He'll light your way. But you know, it's interesting. It's Jesus who will light a fire in your life. Well, first of all, he'll light a holy passion in your life. When you come to Jesus Christ, when you personally receive and accept him, then it's going to put a different perspective and a different attitude in your heart. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, the Bible says, And that ye put on the new man, after which God is created in righteousness and true, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. He says, he says we come to Jesus, we receive the Lord, and then we put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The truth is, is that when we come to the Lord, he places in us a new man. The Bible says we become a new creature. We have Christ living in us. And now instead of walking and continuing in those sins and the lifestyle that we've lived in the past, now we have a new perspective. Now he lights a fire under us and gives us a holy passion to live and to serve and to, uh, to, 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 to live our lives in a way that pleases him. But not only that, a holy purpose does he give us. It's interesting that many people are still trying to figure out what the purpose of life is. You know, why do I exist? What's my, the meaning of life? What is the meaning of life? Well, you want to know what the meaning of life is? You'll never find it, first of all, outside of the light. Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ reveals truth. Jesus Christ reveals, uh, gives us guidance. He gives us leadership and direction. You want to understand your holy purpose for living? You want to know why you're here on earth? Well, the Bible says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us if you want to have purpose in your life, then get on board with the God who created you. Find out what he wants you to do and do it. And may I say you don't do that till you first get in his family, till you first receive and accept him as your Savior and Lord. 
Listen, the world is out there meandering about aimlessly trying to find purpose for life and that Jesus Christ has defined our purpose. We're to please him, to bring pleasure to him. We're to serve him with all of our heart. We're to give him our very best always. Not only do we see that it's Jesus who will light our way, it's Jesus who will light a fire in our life, but it's Jesus who will lighten our load. Boy, do we need that. Over in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Ye shall find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hey, listen, he's not saying you'll not have burdens once you come to Christ. But he said the burden will be light. You want to know why? Because he's bearing it with you. You know, I don't know, Brother Cody, come on up here. You know, when you think about uh, oxen and you think about how they're yoked together, the truth is that they bear a great burden. But the fact is, is that they're put in the same yoke. There's that thing that looks like, you know, it kind of fits around his neck. It comes over, it fits around my neck, straps us in. And then we get to pulling something together. And the weight, the burden of that, that which we're pulling and that which is above, upon us is shared. We share that burden. It's not just me pulling the weight. It's not just Cody pulling the weight. It's us pulling the weight. Now, hold on. The interesting thing about this is, is that if it was Cody and he was in that yoke, and I was beside him in that yoke. Let's step back a little bit. Then the truth is, as we all understand, I'd be bearing most of it. Because I am the stronger of the two. <laughs> Cody would begin to wilt under the pressure. And I would have to rise up and bear up the burden. We know that to be true, right, Cody? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't very quick to answer that, was he? All right. Well, anyway, the fact is, is that we have Christ that we are yoked together with. May I say today, you may not be very strong and neither am I, but I'll tell you somebody that is strong. It's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when the burden gets heavy and when the load gets great, Jesus Christ bears it up for us. And that's why, that's why it's light. Not because the problems don't come, but we got, we got a, a burden bearer there carrying the weight for us. Well, what a blessing that is. And so we see that Jesus Christ is the light, and he, as a result, lightens our load. Amen? What a wonderful truth that is. Now, the interesting thing, then, that I find along the way is that Satan does not want you and I to experience God like that. I mean, he doesn't want us to experience God in the way that, that he doesn't want God to be lighting our path. He doesn't want God to be giving us guidance and direction. He doesn't want God to light a fire in our life and give us a holy passion and a holy purpose. He doesn't want God to, to lighten our load at all. No, not at all. Not Satan, not him. He wants nothing good for anyone but himself. Take your Bible, look over to the book of John, chapter 10, verse 10. Satan does not have your best interest at heart. Satan doesn't care one bit about you. Satan doesn't want to see you living a life, a productive life, a successful life. He doesn't want you to live a life of victory. He wants to, you to live a life of defeat. Notice what the Bible says in John 10.10. 10. The Lord Jesus Christ, again, 
giving us a little commentary. The thief. The thief. Already, uh, something ain't right about that. I'm wondering who he's talking about. Well, we're going to find he's talking about Satan. And he's calling him a thief. I don't know about you, but all I need to do is conjure up some ideas, some thoughts about a thief, and I learned something about Satan already. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. See, Satan's great work is to blind the minds of believers. Satan's great work is to upset God's work in their life. Satan does not want an unbeliever to get to God, nor does he want any one of you to have any success in your life. He wants to wreck, he wants to ruin, he wants to destroy you. Again, he wants to blind the minds of the unbeliever. He does not want them to see truth. He does not want them to come to a God who has great desires for them. Great expectations. Notice what it says in 2 Corinthians 4. 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. There is light and there is darkness. There's no in-between. You are either in the light or you're in darkness. Only Jesus Christ can bring us light. He is the light. And he allows us to carry him with us in that sense. Even though he's not here, we carry his light with us. If we know him as Savior. But if we're not saved, we are walking in darkness. We are living our lives in darkness. And this is the goal of Satan. Notice what it says in 2 Corinthians 4.4. In whom the God, little g God by the way. Oh by the way, there are many gods in this world. But there is only one big G God. And that is Jehovah God. That's the God of the Bible. But there are plenty of little g-gods in whom the god of this world, Satan, and by the way, he is the god of this world. He controls the political system, the economic system, the social system, even the religious systems of this world. In whom the god of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Why? Why would he want to blind, why would he want to blind the minds of them that believe not? Simply lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. He doesn't want them to see the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to blind them from the light of the Lord. He doesn't want them to see Christ. Let me tell you, when we go into those mission fields and we send missionaries there, or maybe you and I go there on a foreign field, my friend, we represent Jesus Christ. We are the light of the world. He lives in us, and His light needs to shine through us. Why? Because they're in darkness, and they need Christ. It's not you they need to see. It's not me they need to see. They need to see him. Because that's who Satan is trying to keep them from seeing. Christ, a Christ that died for them on a cross. A Christ that lived a sinless, perfect life and did not deserve to die, but yet he willingly offered himself, the Bible says. And there he took his place on Calvary. There he allowed himself to be whipped with a cat of nine tails till the blood and the body was racked and ripped off of his back. And there they placed him on a cross and they nailed his hands and they nailed his feet to that cross. 
There they lifted him up between heaven and earth. And he suffered and he bled. And he died for you and he died for me. He gave his all for us. And I'll tell you what, what the world needs is not you and it doesn't need me. It needs Jesus Christ who bled, suffered, and died for them. The Bible says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Boy, he wants to keep them in darkness. Because he knows that the light will provide spiritual sight to the blind. That it will ignite a fire for God in their lives. That it will lighten their burden. He doesn't want anything good for them. It's nothing good for them. So what about today then? Well, before his ascension, the Lord Jesus Christ that is, he spoke to his 11 disciples and he commanded them. He commanded them, as we're going to see, to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the light of the world, Jesus And he expected them to accomplish it. Turn to Mark chapter 16, verse 15. All the way through history, God has a plan. If you read through the Bible and you start back in Genesis, you go all the way back to the creation of man. You see that God has a battle that's taking place between him and Satan. And it all culminates one day in a millennial kingdom When the Lord Jesus Christ takes his rightful place on the throne of David, everything else that happens from that moment all the way back to Genesis is simply a battle for predominance, for dominance in the world. To take over a throne, to stand stand in authority over a kingdom. And I'm telling you, there's been a battle waging throughout history, and you can... You can just take the word of God and you can walk it right on through and you see it taking place. God used men like Abraham and there he gave him a covenant and said, listen, all the earth will be blessed in you and your offspring. Why? Because one day Christ would be born through that offspring. And there we go through history until finally we come to Jacob and Jacob has 12 sons who become the nation of Israel while they are 430 years in Egypt. Boy, they go in a people. They come out a nation. And there they leave Egypt. And they go forth and they begin to establish that kingdom again. They try to set it up. They got a tabernacle, a means of worship. They go through all this process to establish it. And ultimately we come to a place where finally we have Saul. Then we have David. Then we have Solomon. The greatest picture of the millennium and all the word of God and in all history is back there with Solomon and that reign that he had for those 40 years. You know, it's interesting in your history books, those that we learn in school, they don't begin back there with Israel's dominance, world dominance. They begin after they've been taken off the throne. After what God calls the time of the Gentiles. That's when our history books in America begin to talk about nations of the past. We do not give Israel its due. We do not show Israel as the world dominant uh, nation that God does. Because we don't, listen, Satan doesn't want them to be elevated. Satan doesn't want them to get their due. And so we begin back there in Babylon, Persia. Go right on through and we can name the nations that have continued to affect and to ultimately 
form and, and, and make up our, our philosophy in the Western world even. But there's been a battle raging. And the whole battle's about light and darkness. The Bible says in Mark, he says, listen, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I want Jesus Christ to be elevated. I want to be magnified in this world. I want them to see the light. I don't want them to be stuck in darkness. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you all, even unto the end of the world. Amen, he says. Boy, what a, what a, what a feat. To reach the world with the light, to, to tell everyone about Jesus Christ, to let them know that he not only died on a cross, but that he rose again the third day. You know, I don't think that the uh, Romans were too upset with the church talking about a dead Savior. You know what bothered them? They kept saying he was still alive. You know, the Judaizers, those Jews that did not believe in Jesus Christ, they didn't mind him if they had been talking about a dead Savior. They're talking about a living one. May I say that he's still alive today. You know that they eventually, in their lifetime, reached the world with the gospel. You say, I know, but the world was so much smaller then. The known world was so, so tiny compared to now. And you know what? It was in general. I mean, the, the physical earth was larger, but, but I mean, still, to reach the world. I don't, I don't even care. Say that you cut off half of it even. I mean, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have cars, trains, airplanes. They didn't have the modern conveniences that we have to get the word of God out, to get the light into darkness. I believe they reached the world because the Bible gives us indication of that. In Acts chapter 17, verse 6, it says, And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying that these, it said, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. He goes on in Colossians 1, 6, Which is come unto you as it is un, in, excuse me, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God and truth. He's talking about that truth, the light. He's talking about Jesus Christ. He was brought to you. He's impacted your life. He's transformed and changed your world. And let me say, he's just like he did in your life, he did it in all the world. And may I say that they did indeed fulfill the command that God gave them there on that mount before he ascended. That's amazing to think that they could reach the world without all the things that we now have at our disposal. But you know what? It's our turn now. Sometimes it's impossible to reach the world. 7.6 or 7.7 billion people. Impossible! Well, yeah, it is impossible. But nothing's impossible with God. You and I, it's a problem, but not with God it isn't. Boy, more than ever, the light must be shined. I, I want, uh, fellas, if you would, can you shut all the lights out up here on the stage? And then I need uh, um, one of my, uh, brother, shut those, oh, you can do it all up there. Shut all the lights off in the auditorium, every light. No patty fingers. You know what show that's from? That's right, Quiet Man, John Wayne, thank you.
Oh, shut those off too. Those are way too bright. That light of the world, he just keeps shining. Shut that up. There you go. Still got sunlight, but I want you to see something. Lose how dark it is, but watch this. Look at that. I want you to see that light. You see that light? That light shines in the darkness. You know what that light does? That light enables me to navigate through life. That light right there helps me to lighten my load. That light right there enables me to accomplish what God's called me to do. And it shows me a better way than the way I've been traveling. And when I shine that light out into a world, let me tell you something. The world knows there's something different. When I go to the foreign field or whether I'm out here in Akron or just on the street, if my life is what it ought to be, then it reflects Jesus Christ. And I can't tell you, but the world knows without a doubt, there's something different about me at that point. And there's something different about you. The world doesn't need you. It doesn't need your ability. It doesn't need your intellect. It doesn't need what you have to offer without Christ. But when you combine what you have that God's given you as a gift and you put it with God himself, the Lord Jesus, I tell you something. He'll take that light and multiply it over and over again and make a difference in the world in which we live. Boy, what a difference the light makes. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning, I like to turn the lights on. When I go to bed at night, I turn them off. Hey, there's a big difference between night and day. There's a big difference between the light and darkness. I wonder, how, how are you shining today? Are you shining bright? Does the world know that Christ is in you? Or do they just see oh, good deeds, maybe a kind person here and there, but nothing that says they have the answers for eternity, not just this life. But I'm going to tell you what, if you don't have Jesus Christ in your life, you're missing the light today. Amen. He will give you what you need to navigate life. He'll lighten your burden. He'll give you a passion, a new desire, a new heart, a new body one day. He'll even give you a new home, heaven. All right, fellas, you can turn them on. See, the world's in darkness, and you and I have been commissioned to carry the light into the, all the world. See, we're to share that light. Light that will provide spiritual sight to the blind. That will ignite a fire for God in their lives. And that will lighten their burden. I wonder today, how are you and I going to accomplish that directive? How are we going to fulfill the command of God to take this light, the Lord Jesus Christ, into all the world? We do that through the local church. Every one of us is responsible to reach the world. But every one of us can do so in cooperation with and in conjunction with the local church. We're talking about wanting a gospel witness in every one of the time zones in the world. Every time the sun's coming up, the sun goes down, there'll be a witness in every single place where the sun's shining. That's what we want. You may not be able to go, but you can send somebody else on your behalf. And that's what our missions program's really about. Here in this 
locale, you can make a difference, an impact in your life, your, your family's life. You can make a difference in your neighbor. You make a difference in your community, in your state, and even your country. But we can do that around the world even. I wonder what part you'll play in that. I hope you'll at least be a part of it. See, some can give more, some will give less, but everyone ought to be involved because every one of us are responsible to reach the world with the light, the light of the world. Maybe you're lost today without Christ. You've never received and accepted Him. According to the world, you're in darkness today. You're in darkness. Christ wants to light your way. He wants to ignite a fire for God in your life, and He wants to lighten your load. You do not have to live life bearing the burdens on your own. He will yoke up with you. He'll carry them for you. He'll bear them with you. He wants to provide spiritual guidance. He wants to give you purpose for living. He wants to ease your burden. And he did all that because he knows we're all just sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not one of us measures up to his standard of perfection. Not one of us can ever go to God and earn our favor by being good enough or wise enough or rich enough. You can't give enough to get to heaven. Amen. You can't do enough to get there. You can't be born into the right family. It's not just going to be a moral life that lends you the opportunity to interact and ultimately spend time with him forever. No, it's, it's, it's not that simple. We are simply sinners because of the sin of Adam. We're born into sin and we'll die in sin. But Jesus Christ came to wash our sin away. And if we will by faith receive and accept him, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. The Bible tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Well, we have a Savior that died for us. And if we don't accept his payment, then we will have to pay for our sin ourselves. Well, I'll tell you what, if you've never trusted Christ, I beg you to receive him today. To accept his payment. Because somebody has to pay for sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Hold on. That word death isn't fully explained until you get to Revelation 20, 14, when the Bible says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So there's one death, physical death, and we're all going to die. That's just proof positive that we're all sinners. But then the Bible says there's a second death, and that is to be eternally separated from God in a place called the lake of fire. Why? Why would a loving God permit that? Can I ask you this? Why would a rational people reject a son, his only begotten one? He allowed his only begotten son, who is literally God himself, who came and took your place, and to reject him, to say, I don't care about your sacrifice. I don't care about your bloodshed. It doesn't matter to me that you took my place. I'll go it alone. That's not very grateful, is it? I'll tell you right now, somebody pays for sin. Please don't pay for it yourself. Let him pay for it. That's why he died for you, to pay for your sin.
And if you'll receive and accept him, he'll accept you. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. He'll take you just the way you are, no matter how wretched, no matter how sinful. He'll take you just the way you are. Believer today, the light of the world, what are you going to do with it? You got Christ in you. You and I are responsible to reach the world. Will we do our part to provide guidance to the, a lost loved one or to a friend? Will we do our best to show them that life has meaning in Christ? Will we tell them that Christ alone can remove the weight of sin in their life? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. See, it's Jesus who will light your way. It's Jesus who will light a fire in your life. It's Jesus who will lighten your load. He'll do that for all of us if we'll let him. And we need to let others know he'll do it in their life too. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for just all you've done for us, all you do for us. We're grateful that your word is simple. There's nothing complicated about it. I'm just glad that it's a simple substitution. You took my place. Lord, there may be someone that needs to let you take their place this morning, has never trusted and received Christ. And then there's those in our midst that are already, have already received you and accepted you, but maybe their life isn't reflecting Christ like it ought to. They're kind of hiding it. Their flesh is kind of controlling them instead of them can, allowing Christ to control them. I pray, Lord, you'd help us. What the world needs is the light of the world, but so do we as believers. We need him to be real in our life every day. Father, do your work again. Today, maybe you've never trusted Christ. You've never received him. I wonder if you'd let me pray for you today. You'd say, preacher, honestly, I've never trusted Christ. And well, I'll tell you what, I, I'd like you to pray for me. And honestly, I'd, I'd like to trust him. I need him. But I don't know if I have the courage to even do it. With an uplifted hand, will you let me pray for you? Will you let me just at least pray for you? I don't know for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. Preacher, that's me. Anybody like that today? I don't have that settled. Mm -hmm. All right. You're a child of God. Would you say with me today, preacher, the truth is, is that sometimes the light of the Lord doesn't really shine through me like it ought to. I believe I'm saved and I believe he lives in me, but I don't know that the world always sees him in me like they ought to. Will you pray for me? I do want to do a better job. Anybody like that? I see hands all over the place, sure. Well, I'll do that. Father, I just pray you'd pray, be with those that raised their hands today. May you just help them, Father, to make decisions, Lord, to be consciously aware of you in their life and to truly allow you to shine in their life in every situation and circumstance. Lord, may we allow, our, 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 uh, the, the, may we allow you, the light, to shine through in our speech, in our actions, in our attitude, in our relationships, at our workplace in our schools, and in the world in which we live because we know the devil wants the world in darkness and it'll only be through seeing you that their lives will be transformed and changed. We love you now. We need you. And Lord, I don't know, maybe someone's still praying about what you're going to have them do as part of reaching the world with the gospel in our missions program. May you just speak to them today. Maybe, maybe they just need to come to an altar and deal with that even. 
Lord, have your way today. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet, every head bowed, every eye closed.